uh, just some insight. What you've been hearing, for the most part, over the duration of this series uh, thus far and, and as we continue, will also become the actual curriculum for our new members class that we will begin in this new year. So as we start in this new year, as more and more people come and join the fellowship here at Overcome Church, they will go through this same stuff. I think Pastor Ben will be the one that uh, gets the privilege to teach this class to the new members. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's just so good to, uh, to be receiving new members. It seems like so often lately here at Overcome Church and uh, I can't wait to have this curriculum or have this as our curriculum for the new members class that will be kicking off in the new year. So if you've joined recently, um, well, praise the Lord, you started off on the right foot. You get the new members class in preaching format right off the rip, okay? So uh, anyway, this is part four or week four of our series we've been calling Church R Us. And uh, it's been just such a joy to preach uh, through this stuff and, and the concepts of uh, being the church and being connected not only to the kingdom, but in the kingdom as a body of believers. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about today. Uh, if you had any question at all, just look down at your sermon notes handout uh, that you were given. We're talking about this idea today that we are family. Somebody say that with me. We are family. Look to your left and look to your right, and what you see there is family. Uh, we are family, and that's biblical. That's a biblical command and concept from the Word of God, that we are to be family. We are all parts and pieces to one body, meant to walk in unity with the same mind, in the mind of Christ. And uh, in doing so, what happens is we become effective for the gospel. Anybody in here believe in the effectiveness of the gospel through the unity of Christ in the body? Yes, that is the mission and the vision of Overcome Church here and any church that you might gather at. Um, just to recap, we've been discussing a lot about the first uh, and, and greatest um, purpose of you and I here, and that is to glorify God, amen? We were all given this uh, purpose uh, through our creation to bring glory to the Lord by the way we walk, talk, act, speak, everything you do, uh, do all into the glory of God. We know that the word testifies to the fact that all things, who, what, when, where, how, all things were created by him, through him, and for him, and there was nothing that was created that wasn't created with that purpose. But there's a, uh, a, a, another purpose that we've been given, specifically us, humanity, people. Um, by God, we've been given this purpose by God, and it carries a lot of the same weight. And that is um, to build up this body of believers in unity and in love. To love one another. We know the first and second greatest commandments carry the same weight Jesus said himself. The first being to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, strength, and soul, and all the descriptive words that the Bible gives. But then the second is like it, Jesus says, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and uh, that is depicted well when the body of Christ can come together as a family and walk in unity 
and with the same Christ-like mind, uh, mindset and, and mission. We are family. I got a new Bible. Um, I don't know if you noticed, it changed colors. It was green, now it's orange. My wife blessed me with this new Bible, so I'm flipping through it, and it may, um, it may take me a little longer than normal. You get a new Bible, you know, you may know where the book should be, but I haven't worn in some spots in it yet, so we'll get there soon enough, but, uh, but it may take me some, some flipping grace today. I need some flipping grace. Give me some flipping grace today, okay, church? Pastor Ben got a kick out of it. When God created man from the very beginning, even in a paradise setting, what did he say? It's not good for man to be alone. Mankind, the word man, uh, not only meaning masculine Adam, but also denoting humanity, mankind. It's not good for mankind to be alone. While God provides us with natural families today, um, that's not to be discarded. That idea is not to be, you know, um, cast to the wayside. He's also given us spiritual families. And our, our, our actual families, our natural families, like your mother, your father, your brother, brother your sister, so on and so forth, those are, are very near and dear to us. I don't know if you're as close to your family as I am to mine, but I, I'm a family guy. I love my family, my blood family, but I'll tell you what, I have some church family that's closer to me than blood, and I'll tell you, our spiritual families, or the body of Christ that we, uh, that we operate in, or uh, walk this life of faith out in, uh, means a lot too, and it carries a lot of weight, and the way it was designed by Christ, by the Father from the beginning, uh, was meant for it to carry that much weight. We are meant to be one big body in unity as a family. Though our uh, natural lives and our natural relationships may fade, our spiritual relationships, our spiritual family, or the body of Christ, in essence, I'm trying to bring the small picture uh, up to be congruent with the big picture of everything, the small C to be the big C as well. So... um, Forgive my generalization as I describe this, but what I'm saying is um, our spiritual families are eternal through the blood-bought payment of the cross of Christ, through the Holy Spirit that dwells within you and I. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. Um, There are a set number of commands that God has given us through his word that kind of um, help us in regards to these spiritual families or, or church, right? Uh, we are church are us. We are the gathering. We are the body of Christ. And there are many parts that make up this body, many organs, many limbs, many talents, many um, experiences, different wisdom. Uh, what is wisdom? It's the effect of uh, going through something, getting to the other side of it, and learning through that. You only gain wisdom when you learn through what you've gone through. A lot of us can go through a lot and never learn a thing from it but we've been beat up by the battle. But those who have learned uh, from what they've gone through, that's wisdom and that's strength to fight another day. What is it, what's the uh, good old faithful saying? What doesn't kill you makes you 
stronger. Why does it make you stronger? Because it gives you that experiential wisdom. And many of us have differences in that. We've all come from different lanes, different walks, different backgrounds. Some of us uh, came up uh, in different lifestyles. Regardless of the fact, we've all been brought together under this roof, I believe specifically for one purpose, and that is to make up the body of Christ here as overcome church. Okay, and so that's my introduction. That's all I I think I need to say in order to bring it to this idea of us being a family. We're not here just to be attenders. We're not here to sit as islands in this room. I know that we uh, have our specific spaces in this room that we like to sit, but in all reality, uh, we are one big family. We are to know each other and love one another and walk with one another and live as, uh, as one body, as one family. So I think I've beat that horse uh, dead enough, and I think I've introed this well enough. Here are some commands that I think, well, I know that the Bible gives uh, to us as believers uh, that help us in regards to this idea of being a big family. Uh, one of the commands is uh, the uh, following in believer's baptism. Um, some of us may have questions as to why baptism is so important. What's the big deal with baptism? Is it a command? Is it really uh, that important? Do I have to be baptized? If baptism is not what saves me, why is it that I must be uh, baptized? Well, look at Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. I'll give you time to flip. I'll give you some flipping grace today. The Bible says this, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Far from it, or surely not, or forbid. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been uh, baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Bear with me now. Verse four. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead uh, through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of of his resurrection. So baptism is not just a recommendation for Christians, but God commands that we should be baptized. Why? Because it is a public declaration or a testimony from the believer that you are not ashamed to be a part of the family. It is a public declaration to the world, your first testimony as a believer, that you're not ashamed to be a part of the family of God. Not only that, but it's a signification or the great uh, or testimony sorry, of your taking part in the death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. What is baptism? You see it. We stand in a tank of water or a river or a pool, wherever, and you go down, dying to yourself, and you raise, just as Christ has been raised, into a newness of life, just like the Bible has said. We take part in the resurrection of Christ. 
Those who have, therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death. We've died to ourselves and we've been raised into this, what does the Bible say here? Newness of life in verse four. It holds similar value to a wedding ring. This wedding did not perform the sacred um, exchanging of vows and commitment to the Lord, did it? But this wedding ring does mean that I'm married, right? It may not have performed the ceremony, but it does signify that I've taken part in that ceremony. And what I want to say today is this, that it carries some of the uh, similar weight and values as a wedding ring. It is an outward symbol and a reminder of our commitment to the Lord and what God has done, his commitment to us through the implantation of the Holy Spirit. It's important that we be baptized, not to follow tradition or not to say we did so to get the t-shirt and go on about it, but to do it as a testimony, the believer's first testimony, that God has done a work in him or her. Secondly, one of the commands that we can see from scripture and from the, uh, the word of God is, is love. And we've talked a lot about this. I think I do talk a whole ton about love and what it means to love one another just as Christ has loved us. We know uh, the very familiar scripture now, uh, uh, the direction that Christ gave his believers. Hey, love one another just as I have loved you so that it testifies of who you are in me. Amen. Others will look in and see that you are my disciples. Look at Galatians chapter six. That whole chapter there is is worth spending some time on, but we'll look at verse 10 here as it says, so then, while we have opportunity, in other words, while you are living on this earth, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. We show we are believers if we love each other, if we show love to one another. The world looks in at the church and unfortunately, and you can tell me if you've seen this or not, like nod your head, give me the, give me the affirmation or, the, or the, uh, the disapproval if you've seen this or not. But it's evident in the world that the church hasn't really made a great name for Christ concerning love. It's true today that uh, more than not, the church has actually painted a, a terrible picture of this command. The church has uh, been hard pressed to actually love while we have the opportunity, opportunity, let's do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. It seems like more than that, we've been, uh, we as the church generally in the world have taken more part in uh, divisiveness and and tearing each other apart or, or uh, um, sowing discord amongst one another than we have building one another up and doing good to one another and, and counting one another as more important than uh, ourselves. We show we are believers. We testify of our belief in Christ or we validate our relationship with God by the way we love one another. You cannot say you know God if you do not have love, the Bible says. Why? Because God is love. 
And he has made it available to us to love because he first loved us. And so if you struggle with the ability to love, it's a red flag and a sure sign that you should check up on your relationship with God. A life without love, I dare to say, is worthless. Where are we without love? Where would we be without love today? And isn't it true that the world struggles with the greatest amounts of anxiety and depression today because the lack of love? Because the lack of camaraderie? Because the lack of companionship? God said it from the very get-go. He's no stranger to this concept. It's not good for man to be alone. And more than ever today, we face the highest number statistically in depression and loneliness in the world is seeking to find love. It's that space that I keep talking about. How you feel that Jesus-shaped hole inside of you could and very well start right here at the house of God. I want to preach a sermon one day called, You Won't Go to Who You Don't Know. And this is a different sermon for a different time, so I won't, I'll spare you the exciting stuff because it's very exciting and I want, to, I want to preach it and be excited about it later. But I think about old Nebuchadnezzar. He wouldn't go to who he don't know, but he met somebody one day through the faith of three boys who would say, we won't bow to this king because we serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords. They wouldn't go to who they don't know because they knew better. Old Nebuchadnezzar didn't know any better though. But he met somebody that day. He saw the fourth man in the fire. What happened afterwards? He said, oh, please call out to your God who has made himself evident today. I'll tell you what, I'll save that message for another day. But what I'm saying is this, what better place to bring your lonely spirit, your depressed spirit, when I'm down and out, when I'm feeling sick, when I don't feel great about myself, when the world's crashing in on me, when it feels like everything is riding on my shoulders and I can't carry it or I can't tote it, I'm not strong enough, I won't make it. When I feel that way, tendencies are to not do anything, is to barricade ourselves in our bedrooms and not go anywhere. The first place you should go is to the house of the Lord. Why? Because we should be family and we should lift each other up and we should hold each other accountable and, and, and acceptable to one another. We should be family in that way that we hold each other up. You see, because love lasts forever. Love is the most important part of life. Without love, we would have no life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love will drive somebody crazy when they're looking for it, but it'll drive somebody uh, uh, to do wonderful acts of kindness and grace because of it. Love will last forever. Everything on this earth will pass away, but God's love will last forever. You know, the Bible talks about us being judged by how we love and what we do with his son, Jesus. The best expression of our love is time. Spending time with one another, being frequent with one another, sharing with one another. I think about the church in Acts, the beginning chapters of Acts, how they 
sold all their possessions and gave to any as ha- or gave uh, to all as any had need. The Bible says, "I think we do a pretty good job of this type of thing." I don't see us all selling everything these days. I don't think there's a need for that. But it's it's uh, never a fear in my mind when somebody in this congregation has a need. We rise to the occasion. That's how it should be. And I thank you for being a church that does that. I thank you for being a great and loving church that loves one another in this way, that when somebody has need, many rise to the occasion. We've seen it plenty of times as members had lost a job or not been able to work. What happened? The first thing we did was raise money in order to pay their bills, and their bills got paid, praise the Lord, because God gave us the ability to love in that way. We are family. About to start breaking out in that Sister Sledge 1979 song. We are family. Y'all didn't know I knew that. I looked it up. Google. (laughs) Thirdly is belonging. Simply belonging. This is about being a part of something way bigger than yourself. We've kind of, I'll talk about it more. I won't harp on it. I'll talk about it more here in a minute. But we've kind of grown out of this belonging um, idea regarding church, right? Um, We've become uh, a culture of attendees as opposed to a culture of congregants. Uh, Congregants to a family, a a body, um, a command from the Bible, and it is a command from God that we should place emphasis on today regarding this idea of us being a family is this, that we should belong to a local church body. It's important to become members. And membership meaning that you are belonging to this group, that you commit to this group, that you uh, reside here, that this is home. This is where we serve. This is where we give. This is where we worship. And this is where we learn and teach. This is us. This is the gathering. Just as in our natural body, a church body has many organs, many limbs, many um, muscles and tendons, and these must be connected together and functioning together in unity in order to make the body survive, right? If the heart stops pumping, what happens? The blood doesn't flow. If the brain stops thinking, what happens? The body receives no commands. The neck stops turning, uh, the eyes can't look or see or Or the head can't turn. The feet stop walking. The body ain't going anywhere. It's simple. We are the body of believers here. And as we all have our different um, callings and all have our different uh, ways of serving, we are meant to do those things together. But so many of us, the the church today, want so desperately to be... uh, like the leaders of everything. And, and 10th Avenue North wrote a good song about this, uh, that we're not all meant to just be leaders, right? Everybody wants to be the king of their castle. Everybody wants to, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't know, be the, the, the highest on the totem pole. And then in the kingdom of God, Jesus is the highest on the totem pole. None of us are greater than Jesus in this room, and none of us are greater than one another in this room. God has placed different callings on our life, not so that we could be the best uh, in the room in that, uh, of that calling, but that we would be the best that we can be in that calling for the room. 
That we would all operate together, moving in unity and operate as a body. So let the arms be the best that they can be as the arms, but don't forget that the arms need the shoulder and the chest and the rest of the body. And let the legs be the best that they can be as the legs in this room. But don't forget that you don't want to just be a severed leg off in the corner. That you are connected to a body. I think church culture has gone crazy today. Thinking that we could be great and powerful legs at home in our living rooms. It's hard not to get off on this tangent. But the church today is wild in their thinking when we think we can be severed pieces to the body still effective for Christ and His mission. When He's called us to be one unified body. How do we become one unified functioning body uh, for, the, for the, um, uh, the purpose of the gospel mission in this life? We belong together as a church body. We belong. We come into this belonging, this gathering. We are church, are us. A church family identifies you. This is what a church family will do. A church family, belonging to a church family will identify you first and foremost as a believer. Right? Just that alone, and, and unfortunately, that's kind of caused a lot of people to believe uh, wrongly about what salvation is. Oh, I go to church, so I must be saved. No, you must be uh, born again. You must give your life to Christ. You must repent and believe, the Bible says. But it is true that if you go to church, it pins you as a believer. Belonging to a church body also moves you out of a self-centered isolation, if you will. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. The Bible says this. And if one part of the body suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If a part is honored, all the parts rejoice with it. I've read this verse plenty of times, but it means something to me today. Because when I'm talking about the fact that we are all one body and all one family here, and we should operate as such for the progression of the mission here at Overcome Church, what God has placed on us as a calling to reach people through community evangelism and discipleship. As I think about these things and I see this, if one part of the body suffers, hey, we all suffer. And if one part of the body is to be honored, then hey, we all rejoice. Why? Because one piece affects the rest. That's what walking in unity results in. If God is moving amongst one piece of the body, then we all rejoice and we honor God through that. But if one of us are sick or one of us start to fall short or one of us fall, we've got it backwards. The church begins to resort back to the old traditional pharisaical Ways of throwing stones. One part of the body begins to fall and, and somebody just can't wait to call them out on it. Ooh, did you see how they did that? Or did you see what she said? Or did you see how they act? 
Or, oh, I can't stand that pastor because he said this. Oh, I can't stand old sister so-and-so because they did this. Or they do this. Or they come to church, but they live like this. Or blah, blah, blah. We can't wait to point it out in people. And throw stones. But that's not how God would want us to be. What happens? You start feeling sick. You go to the doctor. It don't matter where it is on you. You break your arm. What do you do? You go put that arm in a cast. But it's all congruent with that thought that we're all severed pieces to one body that's living different lives and doing different things and uh, operating with different missions. That's where we get that ideology from. Like we don't believe that the hip bone's connected to the a leg bone and, and so on and so forth. Like, we don't believe that way anymore. And so uh, congruent with that belief is this, that when uh, the leg bone that we think is not connected to the hip bone sins or does something wrong, first thing we want to do is cast it away. If we did that, we'd be legless, armless, and headless. The church would die. You get what I'm saying today? You, you hear what the Bible's saying? We've got it backwards, church. We, we don't cast out. <coughs> Excuse me. We don't cast out that that falls. We lift it up. We suffer with it. We grow with it. We get better with it. Lord, in mercy, if I fall short again, and I say again because I fall short often, and if you say you don't, you need to read the Bible. <laughs> the Bible says this, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible also says in 1 John, I believe, if you say you're without sin, you're deceiving yourself. You're a liar. Yeah, you're calling God a liar. So Lord, help if I fall again and you find me. I hope you don't cast me out. I hope you don't throw Ben to the wayside if he falls short just because he's got the P word attached to his name. If I fall sick, we all fall sick. Let's... Get better together. If Lou, praise the Lord for what he does, playing the guitar up here on the stage uh, with the band, y'all give God a hand clap of praise for the band and what they, what they do. But if Lou falls short, some of y'all want me to kick him off the stage. I'm not kicking Lou off the stage. Me and Lou's praying together. We're all going to pray together and we're going to get better together. I pray that the church reverses this reality today. I pray that the church get this sense of family about themselves, that if one falls short, we don't throw them away. We get better together. Praise God for a church that heals together as opposed to destroys itself. It, it seems mindless. It, and forgive me for saying this, but it seems stupid. It's dumb when a church cuts its own limbs off and casts them into the fire. It's unproductive. It's dumb. We think we're doing justice to the body of Christ when we cast people aside because they fall short. We're not doing any justice to the body. Only falling short. Belonging to a church body helps us develop spiritual muscle. The church today needs spiritual muscle more now than ever. We need to start pumping protein into the church because I'm going to tell you what, it seems like a lot of us, not us maybe in this building, but us 
in the Big C Church are anemic to this idea of needing to exercise spiritually. That's why in this whole series, we've been pumping prayer and reading your Bible. Why? Because to get closer with the Lord, to know God more, to hear from God better, to feel closer and more connected as the body of Christ, you must pray and read. You must pray, you must speak to God, and then you must listen to God. And then it doesn't stop there. You must act upon what you've heard God say. And so in that idea and in that uh, way of living, that grows spiritual muscle. But look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, right? We are fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, not by our own strength, but by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. We all have a part to play and we all have our strengths to, uh, to bring to the table. Look at what it does. It causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. How do you build spiritual muscle? How do you develop together? How do you grow together? We do this as we all put forth our effort for each other and with each other. Somebody tap your neighbor on the shoulder. Say, we're supposed to do this together. I heard a couple coughs in there. Y'all okay? Y'all good today? Lord, I pray a blessing of healing over you today. All of us. I'm running out of a voice. Half of y'all are drowsy on congestion medication. And then some of us done been through it, and so we're all joyful and smiling, making the rest of us mad. The phrase each other is mentioned in the Bible way more than 50 times in the New Testament. The Bible commands us and instructs us to pray for each other, encourage one another, admonish each other, greet each other, serve, teach, accept, honor, bear each other's burdens, and, and the great and triumphal one, forgive each other and submit and be devoted to each other. If we do one of these things even a week, it would be a great help in strengthening the body. It would be a great uh, workout for the body if we would uh, submit and, and teach and accept and honor and bear one another and, and greet one another, serve one another, admonish one another. If we would take the wordage of, of Paul in Philippians chapter 2 as he says, adopt this uh, Christ-like mindset and Consider others as more important than yourselves. If we would do that, what would happen is we would become stronger than ever because we're better together. Say that with me. Stronger than ever because we're better together. It's all right. I'm ending soon, okay? I know you guys are ready. The body needs you, church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You've been given the Holy Spirit for the common good of the body. It helps you share in Christ's mission to the world. It helps to keep you from backsliding. I said this on Wednesday. If you're not coming to Wednesday, please come to midweek. We've been going through the Word of God, and it's been good. Somebody please testify to that. That way others know. It's been good. <laughs> It's been good to get into the word of God. And what we talked about 
Last Wednesday, there's this idea of backsliding, and we'll finish up later. There's a whole nother part to the sermon, but I'm out of time. But I'll finish with this because some of y'all need to hear this. This is what I told them on Wednesday. I think about this, and I saw this on TikTok, so it's not original to me. It was a guy talking about um, when you fall in, in, your, in your journey of sobriety. This was the idea that he was coming from. But what belonging to a church does is it, it helps you to have accountability. And accountability doesn't look like holding each other to a standard that we can't perform at, right? That's what the law does. And you know what happened to the law. Because we could not do uh, right by the law, God saw fit to send his son to do that for us, okay? And so... Uh, let's get that out of our minds. Accountability doesn't mean that I beat you over the head with the Bible every time I see you fall short. But accountability does mean this, is that I lift you up and I help you and I, I walk with you as a fellow believer uh, to the body that we all belong to. But this is what I showed the church on Wednesday. And, and if you saw it already or if you were here, please just bear with me. But I, th- I think of this like we, we kind of got this wrong. Um, you know, w- what happens when we fall short is this, like we'll be taking steps towards God and we're doing right and we're living well and we're praying a lot more and we're reading the Bible and we feel closer to God because we're reading more and we're praying more. We feel more connected to the body because we're spending more time at church. And, and, and how many of us have gone through this before? It just so happens that we have a bad day ever so often. And so a bad day arises and we fall out of that, uh, that uh, routine. Maybe we skip a day of prayer or we skip a day of reading the Bible, and uh, we fell. Because it's so hard. Once you skip one day, it's easier than ever to skip another. And then it gets easier to skip another. Same with church attendance. You miss one week of church, Lord help, if it wasn't my job, it'd be easy for me to miss another one. Now can I be real with you today? Can I be a real pastor? Or you want me to put on a facade? I know how it is. I'm human. It's easier than ever to skip another day once you skip one. And we fall. Uh. You're like, oh God, I'm sorry. I promise I'll do better. And then the next day we're like still down here because we're still falling. We we skip another day of prayer or reading the Bible. And a lot of us think that God gets mad at us right there. And that's the problem. Okay. This is what I want you to see. Okay. A lot of us think that right there when we fall, uh, we skipped a day of prayer or reading the Bible or, or we sinned again. We yelled at our wife and kids or, or uh, more realistically in my family, she yelled at me. Uh, I'm just kidding. And, and we come to the realization like, oh, I've fallen. And we're like, oh no. And what happens is we think that because we fell here in the journey, like look how far we've come. Right? It doesn't matter if you're here or here or down the road a little ways. Uh, it doesn't matter when we've fallen. What happens is we believe that because we fell, that it just means, oh, gosh, i got to start all back over and get back over here. And that's just not the case. When we fall, to go backwards would be ridiculous. It makes no sense. It's moronic. It does not make God does not expect you to go backwards after you fall. He's not concerned about what's behind you at this point. 
Regardless if you fall or not, what he's concerned about and what you should be concerned about is what is in front of you. And so church, Christian, if you're listening to me today and you found yourself in a state of fallenness, you've fallen, you've backslidden, you've come short. What should happen is this, is that we should, one, be held up by not only God's righteous right hand, and I'll talk more about that in a second, but each other, and we should continue forward. We should continue to step forward. We may fall again. Oh, but we should be lifted up and continue forward and continue forward. There should not be uh, a, a culture of Christianity that goes backwards. The blood's already paid for what's backwards. We should be going forward. Why would you get up from where you are and go backwards? It makes no sense. And so it doesn't matter anyway because God upholds you with his righteousness. If it was up to your righteousness, you would have never made it off the stage. So God's upholding you with his righteousness, with his righteous right hand, the Bible says. Man, you can come forward. We need to go on into response time before I lose my voice and half of them fall asleep. We'll finish this next Sunday. But I don't know where you are in this room today and I don't know if you're in a backslidden state and you're just too ashamed to come up here to the, the altar. Like I wonder, what, what makes the altar empty on a Sunday? Like if we were, I don't wanna, it's hard to say this, but it's true. Like if we were real with our current situations, with uh, what we're going through or, or how we feel in our relationship with God, and we wanted to do something about it, this altar would be filled up every Sunday. You mean to tell me that there is nothing that you know you need to go to God about? That's moronic, to believe that there is nothing that you need to go to God about. Lord, help us in our wretchedness. Lord, help us in our sin. But I fear... And this is what I want to combat today before I get off this stage. That a lot of us don't come to the altar because we're afraid of who is sitting next to us or around us in this room. We're afraid of what they'll think. We're going to cast that by the wayside. We are a family. We are a church body. We are a body of believers. We don't cast each other out. We don't cut each other off. We don't destroy one another. Lord, have mercy if one of you comes to this altar. Everybody should come and lift them up. Everybody should come to the rescue, come to the aid of the fallen believer. And maybe you've not fallen in some great sin. Maybe you've not uh, done something that's like, you know, worthy of a, a show series on Netflix, but, but maybe you are in sin some way, somehow. Today's the day you should deal with it. We are more apt nowadays to live through a condition than to triumphantly defeat the condition in Jesus' name. We would live with cancer before we come to the altar. You're like, no, uh, what are you talking about? Yes, you would. Goodness gracious. Who would rather sit there defeated in sin than the person sitting next to you think that there was something you did? 
I can't let the people in this room think that I've fallen short. Newsflash, we all know you fell short. We love you anyway. How about that? We know you're a sinner and we love you anyway. Let's do business with the Lord. Let's come right and clean before the Lord. Let's become this type of family culture here at Overcome Church that we don't cast each other away, but we build each other up and we strengthen one another because we belong here and we love one another. Because we've committed to Christ. We've committed to his mission. We've committed to this thing called being the church. And I know a lot of you are watching online today and I know I can't hear your amens and I hope that you're uh, breathing well and the coffin's suppressed. And, you know, the sicknesses are healed. The anxieties go away. We're praying for you, but I'm asking you this. Right where you are, make an altar of where you are. Would you come clean before the Lord? He already knows your heart anyway. Come before the Lord and say, God, I know I've been trying to act like I got it all together, but in all reality, I know I don't, and I know you know I don't. And God, help me to adopt this place as my family. Help me to understand that these people that you've placed in, in the midst of this church, that they're not against me, that they're not uh, aiming at me with arrows, it's a lie of the enemy, but that they're family and they're here to walk hand in hand with me. I want you to take this time. If you need to come before the Lord, you come before the Lord. You find help in your time of need. And we as a family of believers will rally around you and love you. If you have a need and you need help anywhere, you come. Don't live this life alone when we're meant to live this life together. We're meant to do life together. We're meant to love God and love each other and be a family. Church, this is probably one of the most important statutes of the church today, that we live and operate in unity, that we live and operate as a body together and not as a bunch of islands trying to do our own thing as attendees. We're supposed to belong, not just attend a church, not just to be consumers. If you came looking for entertainment, you came for the wrong reason. If you came wanting me to jump around on this stage and do a dance for you, you came for the wrong reason. There'll be days where I can't hoop and holler you'll still listen to the Word of God. This isn't entertainment. This is a family. This is a gathering. This is a church. Effective because we all bring it all to the table. Amen? I'm going to pray and they're going to they're gonna lead us in a song. I want you to bring anything you have before the Lord today if you need to. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your grace and mercy. We thank you for what you've done on the cross of Calvary, Lord, paying the price for our sin. Help us to come boldly in freedom.